0: Hey, y'all. It's your girl, Holly D, a.k.a. Miss Holly Baby, a.k.a. your fine ass auntie, a.k.a. your new best friend. And thanks so much for tuning in to Fuck It, I'm Over 40. Don't forget to follow and or subscribe on a podcast platform near you so you never miss an episode and you can also follow me on Instagram at over40podcast.com. Now y'all I'm getting ready to start doing an advice column so don't hesitate to drop your girl an email at hollyd at over40podcast.com. Now let's start the show. Good morning everybody. What's up? It's me, Holly D, aka Miss Holly Baby, aka your finance auntie, aka the best friend you didn't know you had. And it is Thursday morning. And um yeah, I'm about to get started with my day. So I know that I had did a live. I actually did a live simultaneously a couple of weeks ago while recording um, over in the studio that I recorded in, in Fort Lauderdale. And I was actually very nervous when I did it. And um, if you follow me on Instagram, you can actually go back and see the live. Um, I was originally going to post that both on YouTube and um, YouTube and yeah, on YouTube and then post it through my regular podcast feed. Um, but then I decided against it. And let me tell you why. I'm going to keep it 100 I'm going to keep it a buck of being one-handed, however you say, keeping it real. I only partially told the truth in that clip. And my biggest thing for me um, is to be my authentic self and to not worry about how people view me. And stuff like that. Of course, I want to be viewed in a positive light. But, you know, if you rock with me, you do. If you don't, you don't. So, I only gave you, I don't want to say part truth, I'll say about three fourths truth. And um, since then, there's been a lot of stuff going on with me. Most people would not know it. Um, but yeah, it's been really, 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 really tough and uh yeah so like i said in the video i suffer from mental illness um me and about 52 other million people in this country uh that's 52 million that is actually reported um so like that's like 1 in 5 americans I'm I'm good. I like stats and numbers and all that stuff like that. So, you know, I I like the fact that most people are now talking about mental health and taking care of your mental health and all that stuff. But oftentimes you still don't hear, and I know we've come a long way as a society in terms of really just acknowledging it, um, not just from a patri a white patriarchal position, but you see it a lot in um, the black community. I don't really see it a lot in the Latinx community. The Asian community um, is highly discussed in the LGBT plus community, um, and you know, white folks been talking about it for a minute. <clears throat> and that's great. And I think we've made a lot of strides. But we haven't really talked about like what does it actually mean to live with a mental uh a, a mental illness, right? So for me, um recently I had a nervous breakdown. Right? Had a nervous breakdown at work. Um, it just, you know, on top of battling both depression and anxiety, it just had gotten overwhelming. And I had a breakdown. Um, I had a nervous breakdown at work. And, you know, I work in corporate sales and that has its own um, set of stressors, sales and working at the corporate level and being a minority and being a woman so that's that's a lot that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes you know what i'm saying so everybody that's out there in corporate america bro i salute you because the shit the shit can be a bit stressful you get paid pretty well i know i do And everybody around me get paid very, very well, especially living down here in South Florida, because South Florida is expensive as fuck. But the people I know, you know, they're able to take care of themselves, right? So this happened, I I definitely say it definitely happened um, a few weeks ago, and I am not ashamed to say that I see not only both a therapist, but a psychiatrist. And I met with my psychiatrist. Well, first of all, let me tell you how having a nervous breakdown felt. It felt like it was just this cloud, this shroud, this, you know, how people have weighted blankets and stuff like that. For me, it felt like someone had a 65-pound weighted blanket, and I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out. It was wrapped. I was wrapped tight like a burrito. I was stressing. You know, I was freaking out because I could not get out, and that means I could not breathe. And that's how my nervous breakdown felt. Um, I was just very thankful that I have two best friends that are within arm's reach of me where I could really, like, lean on because, like, I was a mess. I remember I went to my best friend's house and I was in tears. I was in... I I just... I I barely could speak. Like, she literally had to wrap me in a blanket and give me a cup of tea and just really just let me know that everything was going to be okay. And I guess, I mean... I, Yeah, that was hard. And so I met with my psychiatrist and sis. Yes, I have a black psychiatrist. And sis was like, all right, it's time for you to sit the fuck down. Now, of course, she ain't say it like that. She said it as professional as she possibly could. But because my psychiatrist feels like, you know, my youngest auntie, because she's not that she's not that old. um, It was like. She was like, I need to take care of my baby. Or, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever. And so that's when I went out on short term disability. Um Yeah. So this is the first time I've had to actually use my <laughs> my compensate the comp the benefit the medical the short term disability side of my of my compensation package and i was very nervous at first because i did not know how i would be viewed but like of course when you go out on fmla and short-term disability your employer doesn't know unless you tell them right so anyhow long story short that's where i've been right I remember I said I was tapering myself off. Well, that was the wrong thing to do because they tapered my ass right back on it. Um, And oftentimes people are like, well, why are you telling your business like that? Because people need to know. People really do need to know. We talk about, you know, you know, checking in with your mental health, but most people don't know what that looks like. You know, it's more than just being sad. It's more than just, not eating all that stuff like that it comes in so many different forms right and there's so many different names to it and so i think the biggest one i was reading um because i like stats and numbers and shit so i was reading there's like this infograph that i came across because i like my information just chopped up and easy to access right so there's this infograph that you I think you can find on um, the National Association of Mental Illness is N A M I. Um, I would definitely take a look at it just to kind of educate yourself, right? So they basically say, like, 19% of all Americans who suffer from mental illness, remember that number is like 52 million people, um, it's like 19% suffer from an anxiety disorder. Um, and then after that is 8% of depression, 4% PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, And then, um, 3% is bipolar disorder, 4% is, like, dual diagnosis, and then the other ones are, like, the other ones are, like, borderline personality disorder and schizophrenia. Well, I fall into, like, multiple categories, um, in this. And for me, I fall into the 4% of dual diagnosis. So... I had always been diagnosed of having major depressive disorder but now that I've officially been diagnosed by my psychiatrist because we just had our my initial diagnosis and I was just being treated with medication and therapy but um, now having that quote-unquote official diagnosis because she had to put it on the paper for short-term disability, whatever, I was diagnosed with having bipolar disorder and anxiety disorder. So I'm in that 4%. <laughs> I'm in that 4% of America's, Americans that have a dual diagnosis. Um, diagnosis, And some of y'all are probably up here thinking like, why is she telling all her business? First of all, I'm so transparent. Like, I will tell the T on myself. Like, that's just how I've gotten to a place. I mean, it's still a work in progress, but for the most part, I don't really have anything to hide. You know what I'm saying? Um, So yeah, that, when I finally got another diagnosis, I was like, yo, that explained a lot, right? So everybody's, like I said, they're they're, um, very familiar with depression and anxiety, But bipolar was a little bit different for me. Like, it's interesting because one of my coping mechanisms is always making a joke. And then at the same time, one of my strengths are always making a joke. So it's like kind of, you know, I use it in both positive and not so positive situations. Right. But I remember when I had my appointment with my therapist and I was told her And I was like, yo, Dr. So-and-so said I had bipolar disorder. I was like, damn, I knew I was crazy, but I didn't know I was that crazy, crazy. Yeah, she couldn't hold it in. Like, I be always trying out new comedic materials (laughs) on my therapist. Because, like, I have her attention for 55 minutes, but that's another story. But anyways, and, like... I didn't know how to sit with that. Like I really thought something was really 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 wrong with me. And so like um I did my research and then all of the things that they were talking about it made perfect sense. So basically with bipolar disorder, you have these you have this Imagine a roller coaster, right? I'm sure most of us have been on a roller coaster. And I'm going to make this exam. I'm going to try to explain this in the easiest, most simplest way I possibly can. Right? So when you're in the low part of the roller coaster, right before you start climbing up and up, that's the depression. Like feeling low, sad, not wanting to eat, all that stuff. And then all of a sudden... You're going up and up and up. So this is where you're starting to feel better. You're starting to get a grasp of life. You're going back to the gym. You're going out. You're putting on clothes. You're putting on makeup. You're doing hair. You're just living your best life. But then it goes It goes to the extreme. So not only are you your most productive, you're doing everything more than what most people would do. But then... When you're in that mania, that's what they call it, um, you start doing like you start doing activities sometimes that might be very hurtful to you. So like, you know, white people will say, you know, you get into extreme sports, you give no fucks, you might be a compulsive shopper, gambler, you know, it comes out in different ways in different peoples. You might be um you might be having sex with more More than what you typically do. Your sex drive is much higher. So that means you might be putting yourself in more risky behaviors. But that's the part where it's very damaging. It's also the best part about it because you can get some of everything done that you want. But then once you hit that peak, that's when it becomes harmful and dangerous. And then on the roller coaster, that roller coaster has to come back down. And then that's when you have all these flood of emotions, Oh, the flood of emotions, and you just hit rock bottom. And that just continues to happen. Imagine yourself living on a roller coaster all the time, right? But then you have your periods of, you know, you're just going straight. And that's the goal of managing bipolar disorder is to have a balance between the two because they're very polar opposites, but, you know, and they have negative effects, but the key is the, the goal is to have an even keel, right? You know, when it comes to mental health disorders, excuse me, when it comes to mental health disorders, I'm like, can I ever get rid of it? And they like, no, no, you're not. And I'm just like, God damn, you can ignore it all you want to, but you're actually doing more harm to yourself than good. But, um, yeah, that's that's the best way I can explain it. Um, and it was interesting because I was battling whether or not to even say something about it. Like, I think, um, when I initially got diagnosed, um, I only told one of my friends and then one turned into two turned into three turned into pretty much telling my tribe and then I was just like well shit why would I have to be ashamed of it because like I said before people gonna judge you regardless but I only want true and authentic people in my life so me having a mental illness or multiple mental illnesses that's not gonna that's not gonna block me from making new friends having more connections or this that and the third or um finding my partner finding my person because whoever those people are they're gonna be just like me authentic and non-judgmental so I started to get out of my own way and I was just like well you know some people might need to hear this some people need to understand what that looks like and the interesting thing about having bipolar disorder because you don't you know especially for um black and brown people we ain't always had access to mental health because we come from a culture where it's heavily rooted in the church right so like I know plenty of times I've been told, oh, just give it to God. And I'm like, I did. But, like, (laughs) it ain't working. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And I know that um, religion plays a heavy part in the Latin, the Latino community, too. So you've probably already had it. Like, I know I probably already had it because they say bipolar disorder kind of shows up in your teenage your teenage years to your early 20s. And when I thought about that, I was like, damn, that explains a lot. I remember those times where like I would just I would have like do everything, take on when I was in college, take on a heavy course load, um uh, because I thought I could do it. I'm out partying, I'm out doing this, I slept with this person and that person. And it was sort of like, then it came down. So, from the effects of carrying a heavy course load, I was failing out of school. Um, You know, just certain things like that. Compulsive shopping, all that stuff. And it's like, when you come down, it's like, okay. And I remember, like, also, again, looking back on my past, this wasn't the first time I had a nervous breakdown. Right? Um... I can remember, I would say about 10 years ago, maybe 15. I remember one time that I just cracked. I think like I had gotten laid off. The guy was dating at the time broke up with me and I think I was just going through a whole bunch of stuff because I remember it specifically because it was on my mom's birthday and my dad had planned to take her to Orlando but for some reason like she was in a funk um and then my dad was like well shit and it happened when my dad it was me and my dad at home and he was like nope you know you need to get away and that's what i did so i took their vacation i think they were going to some they went they were planning on going to a resort in orlando and so i just took several days to myself to regroup and stuff and then i came back home and i didn't realize that that was one of the many examples i had of having a nervous breakdown so so i would definitely say minds may have showed up and my early 20s and I just didn't know about it and when I think about and it gets exasperated when you have these um events that you have in your life that that just pokes everything out of you so like several years ago I was supposed to get married and I had so many life changes at the time I had gotten promoted I was living and working out in Phoenix I got promoted, you know, I thought my career trajectory was gonna take me to Atlanta or Charlotte and stuff. Then I met this dude and claimed I was in love, and then we wanted to be together forever, so instead of going to the places I wanted to go, I ended up settling to go to Pennsylvania. I settled I don't wanna say settle, but I wanted to go because I thought I was about to start a life with this person. Excuse me I'm putting on my moisturizer um so yeah. Long story short, we didn't get married. It was stressful on every, on every fest that you can think of. Um, I had a long ass commute. The job was stressful because it was brand new to me. I just moved. Then our relationship wasn't going great. And at the end of the day, I moved in in March. We were broken up by October. October, which was like 60 days before our wedding, because we were get- because we were getting married at uh New Year's Eve. So that was a lot because I was by myself. Um and yeah, and that's where my mental health really, really, really got bad bad bad. Um, to the point where I had thoughts of suicide. It was really that bad. Um To the point where they had to put me in a crisis response unit. You know what that is. That's where they send people that um, are really, really bad. You also see people that are going through substance abuse problems all that stuff, but it felt like hell because I thought they were going to, I was almost on, I was on my way to be checked in and I was so scared because I was by myself. I remember my parents stopped everything they were doing. They jumped on the next flight to Philly and they were there in a matter of like less than six hours. Right. So like I said, just, you know, I would say now life is better for me. Because, number one, I choose to live authentic. Um, I really don't worry about what people have to say. Um, I'm doing the things that I'm passionate about. Like, even though my corporate job is very stressful and it has its good days and its bad days, the the work that I actually do, I really do enjoy. And I actually really do enjoy working for the company that I work for. Um So, yeah, I mean, and then, of course, like living in a place that's really great. I mean, who wouldn't want to live in South Florida? Well, I don't know. I mean, it has its goods and its bads, but the good more so outweighs the bad. So I'll leave it at that. And I'm now working in things that are my passion, being a content creator, starting my podcast, you know, really taking time to, to make me a better me. So overall, I'm happy. Um, but then I have this cloud, and it's tough to get through the cloud at times um it doesn't it doesn't dictate the person I am. it's just a part of it's one of the many aspects that's a part of me. It doesn't define me, but it's a part of me right and anybody that comes into my life that's very genuine and authentic. They have to accept all those parts of me. And when I say accept, you know, I don't want to settle for just you understand. you know, you coping with it. I want you to not only understand it, at least have an understanding and be supportive. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not easy. And I know what it feels like to not have people in your life that support you and you have a mental, a mental illness And now I'm in a place where I have people around me who really support me and support my journey and support my health, my treatment, and just going through it with me. And so that gave me the confidence to be like, you know what, let me just, you know, let me just spill the tea on my own self. Because I know there's somebody out there There's somebody out there, they're just like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what the fuck wrong. Ain't nothing wrong with turning to to religion or your spiritual path or journey. But, like, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not as easy as, like, people want to make it seem to just pray it away. Shit. I I remember one of my old pastors, many many times of me trying to find um, therapy and counseling, I remember I... I was getting counseled by the church I was going to. It was like one-on-one counseling with the pastor and stuff. And he told me he had a mental breakdown and had to check himself into a place where he can work on his mental health. So clearly, it is a thing. And yes, you know, holding on to the things that you believe in, that's great. But then after a while, you really got to get that help. Like... (laughs) If you break your foot, you're not going to just sit here and like, I'm going to pray it away. You know, I'm going to pray for it. No, you got to go get that bone reset. You got to put a cast on it. You got to go see a doctor. That's the way we have to think about our mental health, y'all. I know, like I said before, we're now having that discussion about it, but we need to continue to have a discussion about it. And like I said before, at first, you know, I was about to post some old half-ass, um, some old half-ass shit that I had recorded several weeks ago, and then I was like, nah. You know, I always try to listen to my um, my intuition because I always think that's that's God, that's the universe talking to me right then and there. You know, we always a lot of us that are very spiritual. You know, you pray to God or whatever you believe in. To you, you pray to that person to pray to that being to give you strength and, you know, give you an answer on certain things. And I'm a firm believer that that's what your intuition is, right? Your intuition is God speaking to you. You may not have like a vocal like, "No, my child, do this," but my intu—I feel that my intuition is the way that the universe speaks to me. And so I was getting ready to sit down, and you know, I like doing these kind of random bits like right now I'm taking out my I'm um I'm taking out my braids because I'm about to get my hair done today and I was thinking about what am I gonna post I mean I have several episodes I've recorded but they have to be edited but I really do like when I just take my voice recorder out and just go to town so part of me was like no I'm gonna talk about this but then like My intuition was like, nope, 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 nope. That's not it. That's not it. And I remember I just really tried to record something and just the shit wasn't coming out right. So I was like, all right, it's time. And um, Because like I said, we always talk about mental health and taking care of our mental health and mental health as well. Wealth and all that stuff like that. And I'm glad the conversations are starting, but... You still, we still have to go deeper. You got to go below the surface. What does it actually feel like from a person that looks just like that's melanated like yourself, right? And not just from a woman's point of view, but from a man's point of view too. And so I'm not hearing those discussions. Like I've had discussions like that individually with people who also suffer from a mental illness but not necessarily in public right um you know you hear about you know i think i started feeling better when i went back and y'all know jennifer lewis right well if you black you know jennifer lewis and if you're not black you still know jennifer lewis if you watch blackish and she's um She's the mother on the show. Not Tracy Ellis Ross, but Dre's mother. <clears throat> and black folks call her the money, mother of black Hollywood. Because when I tell you any and every black movie that has come out, she has found her way in it. And I love me some Miss Jennifer Lewis. And when she started talking very open about her battle with bipolar disorder, then that's, that made me feel better. Because I didn't really know any black folks with bipolar disorder you know what I'm saying depression is typically what we talk about but all these other illnesses we don't so yeah I was like you know what I'm gonna just share my story and somebody out there in podcasts and YouTube land is gonna listen and they're gonna get some type of relief right so how do y'all get how do we get help y'all Right, especially if you're a person of color. Um, the best thing one thing the first resource that you can if your company offers like employee assistance programs, I would definitely check with your HR to see what you offer. Like, most companies will give you like six sessions for free, um, whether it's in person or it's virtual. I mean, since the pandemic. All of my sessions, both with my therapist and my psychiatrist, have been virtual and it's been fine. Um, Another thing is if you really want to just find someone that you can go to and talk with on a regular basis, (coughs) you can go to therapy for Black girls. Now, therapy for Black girls ain't just for Black girls, but it is kind of for Black girls. (laughs) I always say, like, Black women are the most nurturing and caring women out there. I'm sorry. Even I only I think even if you weren't black, I honestly would think that anybody from that directory would be so helpful, right? Um, but yes, there's therapy for black girls. That's actually how I found my therapist, and I found my psychiatrist through my therapist because they work together, right? So there's therapy for black girls. Dot .com and then recently there has been a website that has come out for black men and it's called therapyforblackmen.org and I was so excited to see that because it's just like okay but what about armando? And the interesting thing is that most most of the directory for most of the the directory for therapy for black girls is on Therapy for Black Men. But then, of course, you start seeing more Black male mental health um, providers. And that's still a needle in a haystack. So definitely use that as therapyforblackman.org. Um, another place to start, there's a lot of online portals, right? Um, there's definitely... Better help. Yeah, it's betterhelp.com. And that means you can talk from anybody. You can talk to anybody from anywhere, right? So that's one way to get started. And then I'm trying to think of the other one. What is the other one? Yeah, I'm trying to see. Okay. All right. It is called uh talkspace. So talkspace.com and betterhelp.com. Um, that's definitely some resources you can use and then of course, tap into your h r to see if you all have um an employee assistance program. I know the company I work for they have employee employee assistance plans um the only thing I don't really care about with the EAP programs is that they don't have that many providers and so the provide- i mean something is better than nothing but if you can actually find an individual provider on your own, that's even better. But at least the EAP program will give you a start. But the problem about the EAP program is that because they don't pay very much, they don't have as many providers available. And then when you try to reach out to said providers, there's a waiting list. So it's just like you might be going through some shit right now um, and you need help immediately. So I would definitely say check out those for resources, TherapyForBlackGirls.com, therapyforblackmen.org, Talkspace, and BetterHelp. I know with Talkspace and BetterHelp, they're pretty much going to be the quickest way that you can get some help, right? Um, so, yeah. So, you know, with all, the one thing about, when you think about the role of therapy and medication, for me, it has really helped. Um, Just recently, I was starting to taper down on my medicine. Now they had to taper that shit right back up and add some more things. Um, You know, and those two women, my therapist and my psychiatrist, they are going to be the most objective people that I have in my life. You know, Um, just I remember, you know, it's always a challenge when you move to find somebody but when I moved um when I recently moved in 2018-19 and at the beginning of 2019 my grandma had died so on top of the other said issues that I was trying to work through um dealing with imposter syndrome trying to tackle my daddy issues and all that stuff I now had to deal with the loss of my grandma because like My grandma was my person. Now, the role of your therapist, they're not going to give you the answers. I remember with my therapist, she told me, she is just a facilitator of my journey, right? So in order to get the best out of um, seeing a therapist, a counselor, a psychiatrist, you have to do the work. They're just basically like that guy, your guardian angel through this whole process. They help you try to, you know, put stuff together and learn how to cope with it throughout life. Because stress is always going to be there. It's just how you manage it. My bipolar disorder is always going to be with me. It's just how you manage it, you know. So, yeah. That's my story. You know what I'm saying? Let's take the stigma out of mental health, particularly with black people, brown people, you know, people, baby boomers, Gen Xers, older millennials. We now live in a time where we have the resources. It's no longer white people shit. It's everybody's shit, right? I think about the recent death of... um, I think she was like Miss USA beautiful black girl you know and she was very open about her mental health um journey and then she committed suicide and that was the saddest part ever So that's why we have to keep just like we have the discussion of cancer screenings, making sure that you taking care of yourself during this pandemic, all that stuff. Blase, dip, bop, beep. That's the same energy we got to come with when it comes to mental health, right? There's so many people that have passed away that were in the spotlight. I still remember when they said Robin Williams. Y'all remember Robin Williams? Yeah, he's the funniest white dude ever. And he killed himself. You just don't know the struggles that people are going through. And like, I believe when you hit that part of being suicidal and made that decision to take out yourself, that means you've done, you, you have, you feel like you have done all that you can do. So that's why, you know, we have to take care of ourselves. We have to take care of each other. And I think the best way of doing that is living as authentically as you can. Period. Living in your truth. You know. You know, being yourself, not really praying to the the standards, societal standards. If it don't relate to you, if you can't align with it, then don't do it. I mean, that's a great thing about being over 40 is that now I'm starting to learn more about myself and I just don't give a fuck. I really do not give a fuck about how people perceive me, right? It's It all starts with how I perceive myself and everything else would come, come you know, will follow suit. Because when you have a positive um, outlook on self then you're going to start attracting the people that align with you with that, you know? And since I started being myself, goddamn, my life has gotten better in terms of not feeling that additional pressure, you know? Like, when I think about when I was about to get married, I think I cracked the fuck up because I thought, you know, oh my gosh, the one thing that I strive to be, which was married, because all I want to do is be someone's wife, turn that miz into mrs you know i failed at it you know you know how many people i had to call to say oh yeah by the way we ain't getting married no more and then having to explain it but if i just would have lived in my truth and be like no i don't really want to marry this motherfucker i didn't really even find him attractive ain't that some shit because i settled and so that's what it means to live in your truth because you avoid doing fuck shit like that Selling for people that you don't really care for. That you don't really like. Because you feel like you gotta be this way or the third. You know what I'm saying? So, that's my story, y'all. And I'm gonna probably, uh, you know, I'm gonna continue to talk about mental health. And how mental health affects you. Especially when you get into this second half of your life. Well, second third of your life, I like to say. I like to live life in thirds, but, um, this is an interesting time in my life. Like I said before, it's a great time because, like I said before, I just feel like I'm living, living my best life, living in my truth, not really worrying about how people perceive me. Of course, I have, I set my own decorum and whatnot, but, at the end of the day, I've learned that people gonna judge you regardless. Um so there that is. People gonna judge you regardless. So what you gonna do about it? Nothing. So yeah. But yeah, y'all. That's my story. I literally took my hair out now, I'm about to wash it. But um, don't forget to follow your girl on the gram. Make sure that you turn on your post notification or add me to your favorites. I think that's a new thing on Instagram. So post notifications, one, and add me to your favorites so you never miss when I post and I give updates on episodes and other things that I'm doing. Also, I've created a YouTube channel. And if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see the link in my bio that takes you to everything. It'll take you to my YouTube page. You can email me. It'll take you directly to my audio podcast on Spotify. So make sure when you visit my page, make sure you hit the link. Okay. But if you're not on Instagram, you can always follow me on um Spotify, the show is fuck it, I'm over 40. And fuck is spelled with two asterisks in the middle. Right? Um, you can also follow me on YouTube by the same name. Fuck it. I'm over 40. And again, you can always drop me an email if you want some advice or if it's a serious business inquiry, you can always email me at holly d that's h-o-l-l-i-e d at over 40 podcast.com all this information is gonna be in the show notes so you ain't got to worry about trying to write it down but until next time y'all bye hey y'all thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode Know that you can always reach out to me on my social media. I'm at both Instagram and Twitter at Over40Podcast. And guess what, y'all? I am finally on YouTube. That's right. I'm going to be starting a video podcast very soon, but you can catch up with some of the episodes I've already recorded there. You can find me on YouTube at Fuck It, I'm Over40 that's right it's really fuck it I'm over 40 but fuck it's just spelled with two asterisks so anyways know that you can always reach out to your girl you can drop in my dms but for business inquiries only and you can send me an email at hollyd at over 40 podcast.com and that's holly with an i-e not a y d like david at over40podcast.com until then y'all bye